Hello, I'm Mary McCarthy, and you're listening to my podcast, Resilience and Grace. This is episode number 44, and today I want to talk to you about the latest book I have read, Wintering, by Catherine May. The subtitle of this book is The Power of Rest and Retreat in Difficult Times. And it truly was the book my soul needed to read this month. In fact, I loved it so much, I cherished the book and read a chapter a day so I could savor the words and stay connected to the author and her words of wisdom. I featured this book in my January newsletter. I really like sharing resources with my readers and students, and I first heard about this book in the car listening to NPR. It was aired on December 3rd. And you can listen to Catherine's interview on NPR.org. Catherine defines wintering as, Winter is a time of withdrawing from the world, maximizing scant resources, carrying out acts of brutal efficiency, and vanishing from sight. But that's where the transformation occurs. Wintering is not the death of the life cycle, but it's crucible. Once we stop wishing it were summer, winter can be a glorious season in which the world takes on a sparse beauty and even the pavements sparkle. It's a time for reflection and recuperation, for slow replenishment, for putting your house in order, doing these deeply unfashionable things, slowing down, letting your spare time expand, getting enough sleep, Resting. It is a radical act now, but it is essential. This is a crossroads we all know, a moment when you need to shed a skin. If you do, you're going to expose all of those painful nerve endings and feel so raw that you'll need to take care of yourself for a while. If you don't, then that skin will harden around you. It's one of the most important choices you'll ever make. I thought this was a beautiful description of wintering. It has helped me embrace this particular winter because not only am I living each day in the winter season, I'm also living in a pandemic that seems to be getting worse every day. And this week, President-elect Biden will take office as the 46th president of the United States. And it is a very tense time. There is some underlying fear of what could happen after the devastating events at our Capitol on January 6th, and it's a very dark time for our nation. However, there are moments of hope, and I'm excited for what is to come. All of this feels like wintering. I would like to read parts of this book to you and share how it has resonated in my soul in this episode. Now, I must confess, I loved every chapter, and I learned a lot about how other cultures and animals celebrate winter and survive. In this particular chapter titled Midwinter, Catherine writes about how meditation and prayer have helped her during wintering times. Her prayer is during meditation, and she writes, By closing my eyes, however briefly, and resting my thoughts on the care of my perception, I can gain some of the peace that meditation brings me. I've come to think of it as prayer. Although I ask for nothing and speak to no one within it, 
It is a profoundly nonverbal experience, a sharp breath of pure being amid a forest of words. It is an untangling, a moment to feel the true ache of desire, the gentle wash of self-compassion, the heart swell of thanks, the tick, tick, tick of existence. It is a moment when alone, I am at my most connected with others. I can feel entirely separate in a crowd of people, but when I close my eyes, it's as though I have waded into a river of all consciousness, bathed in common humanity. I feel like this, just like Catherine. My spiritual practice has shifted over the years. I was born and raised Catholic, and my children go to a parochial school right now. And although I understand and respect the sacraments and obligatory weekly mass, it's not where I do my best praying. And I love the community of a congregation and singing together in prayer. However, my spiritual practice does not depend on going to a service or mass every Sunday. In fact, I feel completely at peace not attending weekly mass and allowing my spiritual practice and connection to God to come in a different form of prayer. Prayer comes to me when I close my eyes and rest. I rest in the deep knowing that I'm connected to a higher energy and power. I can let words fill my mind, or I can sit in silence and invite thoughts, feelings, sensations to come to me. This kind of prayer is soothing. It's healing. I might do this in a comfortable chair at home under some blankets, or I might even find myself praying as I walk outside, connecting in nature. I have learned to give myself permission and allow prayer to come in different forms. This has all been good. Another chapter in the book that I want to share with you is a piece from the chapter Snow. Catherine writes, Try as I might, I cannot produce the adult hardness towards a snowfall, full of resentment at its inconvenience. I love the inconvenience, the same way that I love sneakingly love a bad cold. The irresistible disruption to mundane life, forcing you to stop for a while, step outside your normal habits. I love the visual transformation it brings about, that recoloring of the world into sparkling white, the way that the rules change so that everybody says hello as they pass. I love what it does to the light, the purplish clouds that loom before it descends, and the way it announces itself from behind your curtains in the morning, glowing a diffuse whiteness that can only mean snow. Heading out in a snowstorm to catch the flakes on my glove, I love the feeling of it fresh underfoot. I am rarely childlike and playful, except in snow. It swings me into reverse gear. And snow creates that quality of awe in the face of a powder power greater than ours. It epitomizes the aesthetic notion of the sublime, in which greatness and beauty couple to overcome you, a small, frail human entirely. As I read this to you, 
I think of snow and all of the ways that I have embraced snow and changed my mindset to be more playful. January and February are usually hard months for me. It can get dark, feel cold, and I want to wish away the days awaiting for spring. But this year, this book has helped me make a shift in my thinking. Instead of dreading another inch of snow falling, I'm celebrating it. I've gone sledding more than once. Sledding is one of my most favorite things to do outside. It's pure joy for me, and I laugh loud all the way down. I love to race kids and see who can go the fastest and the farthest. And I never complain about climbing back up because it means I'm at the top and I have another chance at going down. When I read about snow in her book, it reminded me of how much I love it. This winter, I've also learned to snowshoe. It's been so much fun. It really is a workout. And I love the ability to go into the parks that I traveled with my children during other parts of the year. I have started to observe nature wintering. It is beautiful in a different way. Not bad, I remind my kids. Just different. There is still so much beauty and I am in awe when I can stop to pause, take it all in. Deep breaths outside in the cold are invigorating, and I love to feel my heart race and increase as I climb hills and trek along different paths. Here I can really take the path less traveled. Today is Martin Luther King Day, and because my husband has the day off and I do not teach a yoga class until the evening, we chose to take our kids for the very first time downhill snow skiing in central Iowa. Now, if you're listening to this and you're not from Iowa, you might think that Iowa is pretty flat and how could we possibly ski in the winter? But a little small town in central Iowa, Boone, has created a wonderful place for people to come, introduce their kids to downhill snow skiing and have loads of fun. All of my children laughed and played and tried new things. It created many memories, and I know it's something we're going to do again. In addition to thinking about all of the ways that I winter, snuggling up with a book and watching the snow come down, organizing things at home, watching movies, cooking yummy, warm food. These are all parts of winter that I come to admire. And Catherine even shares other stories. She includes celebrating the winter solstice at Sledgehead. She swims in open cold water, and she writes about enjoying saunas in the north. What I have loved most, though, about this book and her writing is the reverence to the simplicity. In fact, Catherine shared a recent post on her Instagram page, and she writes, I want to say something about cold water swimming. I love it, obviously. And this is me a year ago, referring to the picture on Instagram. We swam to celebrate the launch of wintering. And since then, the ranks of cold swimmers have grown and grown. 
I'm so delighted to see many more people discovering the joys of the wet and the cold in this difficult year. But can we drop the machoism, please? Wild swimming is not a competitive sport. How long do you stay in, people ask me. How cold is it? How often? How far do you go? I'm going to suggest that those are by far the least important metrics for which my swim is worthwhile, and particularly not for whether I am worthwhile. I don't know how long I stay in. I don't time it. It doesn't matter. I suspect it varies from day to day, but it's vital that I pay attention to how my body feels rather than measuring the endurance with clock time. She goes on. I don't worry about the temperature. I just get in. It's beyond my control anyway. Sometimes I don't get into the water for a whole month. Sometimes the tides are difficult to line up with. Sometimes caring responsibilities take over. Often I am managing health concerns. I have Meniere's disease and that derails me a lot. And when my diverticular disease flares, which is far more often than I'd prefer to think, Swimming is painful because it engages the surrounding muscles, and so I swim when my health allows. And I think it's important to say that. The folk who swim every day can do that. Loads of us can't. So how far do I swim? Absolutely bloody nowhere. I get in and float, immerse myself in the environment, tune into all my senses, and just notice It's endless, beautiful, and relentlessly varied. It gives me more than I can tell you. I have literally zero interest in impressing you with my feats of bodily stamina. When we talk about nature, we can't seem to stop looking towards the extremes. Stronger, faster, longer, more dangerous. I am so bored of that conversation. I'm here for your moments of quiet appreciation. The times you do what you can, your awe at the small. I'm here for the true lovers of the wild who don't want to make it about their ego. Just be here. It's beautiful. And we miss so much when we're trying to compete. End of quote. As I read this last post from Catherine to you, I could not agree more with her statements, which is why I wanted to share it with you in this episode. I think that's why I'm drawn to my meditation practice more and more these days. My yoga and meditation practice is not for anyone else. It is to deepen my understanding and connect to my spirit. Yes, I know, as a yoga teacher, many of my personal practices do help me They help me develop class sequences and inspiration for intentions and themes. But when I roll out my mat and practice for myself, it is for me and my moments of quiet appreciation. This leads me to the new upgrades to my website. I want to thank you and thank everyone who has become a member. I've learned how to attend classes live with you on Zoom, and it has been a joy hearing students take advantage of the on-demand classes and connect to their yoga practice when it's convenient for them. This is a gift of teaching online. 
instead of having others see us practicing and worrying how we look or who sees us or practicing in certain clothing, I love that the gift of practicing at home has allowed us to turn inward, practice for ourselves. We show up week after week on our mats because of what we're noticing inside. We do not usually experience huge shifts that are celebrated with accomplished poses in every class. We practice for the awe at the small. When our mind feels present and free and our bodies are happy and we're wrapped in love and joy. That's why I want to share this book with you, Wintering. As we continue through this season, wherever you are, we all winter at different times of our lives. We're going along and then something happens and we have to retreat, get out of our normal, turn inward. So thank you. Thank you for taking time to listen to this podcast today. I really believe Catherine May became a New York Times bestseller recently, not not because her book is well-written and filled with lovely stories, but because we as humans, we are wintering. We are wintering all over the world together in a pandemic, and it can feel very dark and lonely. I'd like to leave you with one more quote from her book. She says, I think a lot of the pain of wintering lies in our flinching away from it, our constant trying to avoid it, trying to delay it or defer it. And that might not actually be wanted change, but it's coming for us anyway. And if we can come to terms with it and find a way to live with it, we'll endure it a lot better. Thank you, Catherine May, for sharing these words with us and for giving this book, Wintering, to all of those who need to hear your words now. May the practice of yoga and meditation help you endure the seasons of winter. May they help you thrive and live a life with resilience and grace. Until next time, namaste.